this week we are wrapping up our series in Proverbs. And if you're disappointed, that's because we did not come close to scratching the surface of the depth of wisdom that is found for us in the book of Proverbs. Can I get amen? But uh, I knew I wasn't going to get to it all in seven or eight weeks anyway, and I think we could do 78 weeks and we still wouldn't get to it, but uh, it's going to be there on your shelf every day. You can wake up and get into it yourself, and uh, I'll be sending the preaching notes out, which will be a lot more in there than we could possibly cover this morning. But I want to, and I would hate to end this series without uh, kind of dabbling in the appeals that we find in chapters 1 to 9, these 14 kind of sermonettes, 10 of them are these fatherly appeals from Solomon to his son, which has inspired scripture. This is God's word to his people, Israel. And for those of us who've been joined with Jesus by faith, we are now part of God's family. This is God's word to every single believer in Jesus. Do you know that? And so when you read my son, you should hear my son, my daughter, this is your God speaking to you, and he has these gifts of wisdom to give to you. But interspersed in these 10 fatherly appeals are these four poems that are from or about Lady Wisdom. And I keep mentioning them, but we haven't done any of them. And so this morning, we are going to turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 to 20. And we're going to look at the shortest of these four poems about Lady Wisdom. And uh, we are going to kind of bounce around a little bit. I want to show you a few things from the other poems and also in the larger scheme of Scripture. But the sermon title is, Listen to Lady Wisdom. I got any old school people in the house that are still taking notes. Listen to lady wisdom. Listen to the lady. Listen to the lady. So Proverbs chapter 3, 13 to 20. As I mentioned, chapter 1 to 9 are these appeals. And then in chapter 10, you start getting these proverbs, which are typically short, pithy, memorable sayings, kind of universal truths or pieces of advice and this is every single culture on the planet uses Proverbs. You guys know that. Even us today, they're not necessarily from the scriptures, but all of us know some Proverbs. The early bird gets the, when there's smoke, there's out with the old and in with the, see, you guys know some Proverbs. None of those are in the book, by the way, just in case you're wondering. But we all know them because, because they're true. And so I want to read to you this short little vignette about Lady Wisdom and, um, and then jump in because we got a little bit of time and a lot God wants to say. You guys ready? Ready or not? Here we come. Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. And nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. And so we start with blessed. And we end with blessed, and then we get this little insight, this supernatural revelation about the nature of God's wisdom. Look at verse 19. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. God, we thank you for your word that has been read in our hearing 
God, we thank you that you are a God who speaks and that you are ready to address every open heart this morning. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit says. Lord, that you would direct our eyes to King Jesus, the perfect manifestation, the perfect picture of your heart and your power, your strength and your character. God, the object of our faith and our hope. God, I pray that you would convey to us this gift of your wisdom. Lord, I pray for every person who is hungry, Lord, that they would encounter you in a life-altering way. God, I pray for every person who is distracted, disengaged, but present. God, I pray that you would call them by name, that you would draw them into a life-giving relationship and infuse their life with wisdom, God, so that you could pour out the gifts you want to give to your people, life, liberty, peace, and prosperity. God, we are ready, so we invite you. Our, our minds are alert and our hearts are hungry. Speak to us now, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. So Tiffany and I are in the throes of child rearing. We have um, just great blessing from the Lord for kids. Our oldest and youngest are in the front row. Evie, who's about to be 13, pray for us. And Julian, who is five, still pray for us. They're right here. Julian loves big church, and so he's sitting with mom. And uh, we're, we're trying to learn how to lead our children in ways that reflect God's steadfast love and faithfulness towards us. And it's a journey. We talked about that in this series a little bit. And uh, last night was, was no different. So um, we cook healthy at the Jarvis household. So I grilled some fish last night and some mashed potatoes and some, some cheesy rice, which is Julian's favorite, and some green beans. And we set out a nice colorful array of healthy food in front of everybody. And so everybody's eating their dinner, and uh, Julian, who I busted eating barbecue chips while I was cooking dinner, he kind of pushed his food around a little bit and took a bite of his rice, and then he said he was full, and he didn't want to eat his food. Remember that, bud? Yeah. And so we were trying to, like, you know, get him, to, get him and motivate him a little bit to try some other things and to take a few more bites and remind him that he's going to be hungry before bed, and he's going to want a Nutri-Grain bar, and that's not going to be an option, and he needs to eat his food. And so we start this negotiation, but he was just, he was just, he's full and he's not going to eat his dinner. And so it sat there. And so we're learning how to negotiate and train and, and motivate our children. And so after all the girls had finished their dinner, the M&M dark chocolate bag came out. And all the girls received their allotment by age. And they were happy. And Julian was asking for his M&Ms. But we had to tell him, if you don't eat your dinner... No M&M's. So we started this little back and forth dialogue where he was telling me that it won't hurt my tummy, Dad. It's okay. I can have M&M's. And I'm saying, buddy, it's not about just having your tummy hurt. You have to eat your food because God made your body to grow big and strong and you need protein and carbohydrates and vitamins and minerals. And there's all this wonderful stuff in your food. And you need to eat it so that you grow up big and strong. I said, buddy, you don't want to, like, just grow up eating Nutri-Grain bars and barbecued chips and M&Ms. You won't grow big and strong. You'll be this little tiny man, and you won't be able to reach the pedals driving and all. It'll, I was, you know, that's not exactly what I'll be, but I was just trying to help him illustrate a little bit about how he can't be malnourished. He wasn't taking any of it. He was just staring at me, and his scowl was getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And so he looks at me after my little attempt to convince him to eat his dinner, and uh, he said to me, um, I don't want to grow up big. I just want to be little and eat M&M's. <laughs> Verbatim. Capture that one for you guys. 
And I was just thinking about how sometimes we just, we just won't listen to wisdom. We won't listen to the voice of God. Just like Julian, in different situations, in different circumstances that are much bigger grown-up problems, we can have a disposition that says, I don't want what is good for me. I just want to be little and eat M&M's. <laughs> and yet, what Solomon reveals to us, and you'll remember, he, he received a supernatural revelation from the creator of the universe as the king of God's chosen and called people on the earth, meant to be a representation of the nature and character of God and the high calling of humanity and a picture of what a set-apart nation looks like. And Solomon becomes their king, and he asks God, when God offers him anything he wants, he asks for wisdom, and he receives this wisdom and riches and honor. And so this is, an, this is a unique individual in history who has a divine revelation into the way the world works, and he's received something from God, and he, again and again and again, in these poems is telling everyone who will listen that wisdom is in fact calling out to every single one of us. She is speaking, raising up her voice. And the question is, will you, will you listen to the voice of wisdom, the voice personified by a woman? I just love that Solomon decides to portray and personify wisdom as a lady. I can tell you as a man, I've learned a lot in my life looking back to go, I should have listened to the lady. Are there any wives in the house that know what I'm talking about? Should have listened to the lady. The lady had a unique insight. Should have listened to the lady. But it's interesting to me that when Solomon receives this divine revelation about the nature of the way the world works and what a right relationship with God looks like and what it means to walk in a course that leads to life, and leads to liberty, freedom at its highest extent, when it leads to peace and prosperity, he personifies that in a woman, a woman's voice, and that woman is wisdom. And there is an incredible blessing for those of us who will listen to that voice and who will receive what she says. Verse 13 says, blessed, blessed, happy, prosperous is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. This, is, this little section is helpful to us because it's like a little thumbnail version of the broader, bigger, longer poems that we find in chapter 8 and 9, and even the one that we see in chapter 1. But chapter 8 ends saying the same blessing and expanding upon it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates waiting beside my doors, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor, grace, generosity, blessing from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. One of those pithy little proverbs that's worth memorizing, Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Solomon says in verse 15, she is more precious than jewels. And check this out. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing you desire. Now, we have four kids, and so they're all working on their birthday lists and their Christmas lists. 
And when they come tell us seven months before their birthday that they already know what they want, we chuckle a little bit to ourselves. But the reality is, is that we adults do the exact same things. We just know better than to talk about it. I bet all y'all came to church today with a little list of things you wouldn't mind adding to your repertoire, to, to your contents, to your life. And yet Solomon says there is nothing you desire that can even compare with Lady Wisdom. I mean, pick your superpower. Tiffany uh, used one of my tools on me this past week. So we were, we were going for a walk, and um, like an exercise walk, like where you actually have a hard time breathing and talking. And, but we're walking, and we're using that time to talk about just some complicated issues that we're facing and decisions that we're trying to reach and all of these different factors. And you know what these conversations are like where you go, well, if we do this, then we have to worry about this and this and this. But if we go this direction, then this becomes the problem. And there's like, all, there's like eight different possible solutions, and none of them is like clearly a standout. This is the best move forward. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Are any of you adulting also? And so we're walking, and, and I'm like, and I do this thing where I go, well, if we go down this little road, then it could be this and this and this. And yet, er, if we go over here and do this, and, we, and I lay it all out, and I go with all of the scenarios, and so she stops me, and she goes, well, let me ask you this. If you could wave a magic wand, and that's my tool, by the way. When I do any type of, like, pastoral counseling, I meet with people, and there's a situation, and there's conflict, I'll oftentimes, to try to get to the heart of what a person actually wants, I'll say to them, if you could just wave a magic wand and change the circumstances, what would you do? And typically, it's a person who gets changed. <laughs> if they would just stop this, you know? But you wave this magic wand. And so she asked me that question. Um, sounded like Lady Wisdom. And I let that kind of go into my heart. And what I realized was that the reason that wouldn't work for me in this situation is that the situations before us are far too complex for my pea brain to go, well, I would do this and everything would be fine. Because I don't know if it would be fine. Because I don't know what the future holds. And I don't know how many things along the way wouldn't go the way I would hope they would go. And I don't have enough magic wands to make it all work out. You know what I'm talking about? And so here we are. And, and, and this is what Lady Wisdom is saying to us. She is saying, we are all actually rather small and powerless. And now we have great gifts from God. We're made in his image. We have great responsibility. We have great capacity. All of us have received gifts. All of us have experience. All of us can accomplish great things. And yet when it comes to the future and the number of factors happening in our world and the people that we relate to and the people we're trying to lead and care for, it's so much bigger than any of us could ever imagine, even if we had an unlimited amount of magic wands. Do you realize? And so Lady Wisdom's calling out for us. And she's saying, listen, there's nothing that you want. There's nothing that you would wave a magic wand to get that wisdom is so far superior to. And so redirect your attention to listen to Lady Wisdom. She wants you to be happy and whole. Blessed is the one who finds her and gets her. Verse 16 says, long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches, riches and honor. Wouldn't you like to have your hands full of those two things? Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are paths of peace. Proverbs 22, 3 and 4, which is a great one to memorize, says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself, or protects himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Dun, 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 dun. That's the picture. And verse 4 says, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. 
You'll remember that the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. The call of Lady Wisdom is to humble ourselves before God, to acknowledge you are God and I am not. You are infinite. I am finite. You are the creator. I am the created. I am dependent. You are independent. I cannot see the future. You shape the future. And so I am coming to you to hear the voice of wisdom. I am waiting at the door, waiting at the gate, every day disposed to say, what do you want to do today, Lord? And this is what it looks like to listen to the lady. Verse 18 says, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Man, I wish I had like an extra 30 minutes in the middle of this sermon to take a di diversis over here and to talk about the tree of life. I know some of you guys have opened your Bible and started reading it in a year and you got through Genesis chapter 3 at least. But this whole idea of a tree of life should sound familiar to some of you. Any Bible scholars in the room? I don't know if you got all the way through the whole book, but the Bible opens with the tree of life and it actually ends with the tree of life. And the picture of a tree of life is to be fully connected in a right relationship with God and therefore receiving the outpouring of his eternal life that causes you to live not only forever, but in the best and blessed way. And so God carves out, I mean, he literally created a universe and put it inside of it a galaxy, and in that galaxy a solar system, and in that solar system a planet with a little moon so that there could be a perfect little place for people just like us to exist with God. And then in the midst of that somewhat tiny speck of dirt, which is actually quite an enormous globe to us, he carves out a land, and in that land he makes a garden, and in that garden he puts a tree, and he dwells with Adam and Eve right in it. And that's how the Bible starts. Everything was perfect. Everything was awesome. Everything was cool, because they're part of the team. But it was the tempter who got in with another message, a message of distrust and disbelief. Because it wasn't just the tree of life that was in the garden, but there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to which God told the man not to eat, thus establishing the right relationship with man and God. Because God is God and we are not. He's the boss. You don't need the answer. You need to trust and to obey. Do you see how this works? And so if you have the fear of the Lord, you have a disposition of dependence and trust. And I don't have all the answers, but I'm not God. And he is, but he's good. And so I follow him and do what he says. But, of course, the serpent, more crafty than the other animals, comes to, to insert a lie that God was withholding some good things and therefore impugning the nature and character of God. And our first parents gave in to that lie, and they decided to become the judge of what is good and the judge of God, therefore ascending themselves above God and destroying the right relationship that we had. In fact, it's in Genesis 3.22. It says, the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. And so it's in our distrust and disbelief, the opposite of the fear of the Lord, that distance between us and God is created. And instead of being in a life of blessing, we end up in a world of curse. Do you see that? And so wisdom is this tree of life. She's calling you to come back into a right, right relationship with God where you approach him with dependent humility. You respond to his covenants. This is the Lord, L-O-R-D, capital, the covenant name of God from Exodus chapter 3, established again and again and again. And if you are his people and you are his, then you are coming in to receive his gift of life. And this is where the big story ends, Revelation 22, 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, 
bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Therefore, the middle of the street of the city, excuse me, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And so this is a picture of God putting the whole thing back together again because of the lamb, because of God's perfect spotless sacrifice. He who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now we are reestablished. But brothers and sisters, how many of us have this basic faith in God, in the person and work of Jesus, call ourselves a Christian, but we don't wake up every day to listen to Lady Wisdom, to, to come with humility and dependence, not according to our own sight and our own feelings and our own desires, to walk in our own way, but instead to find her way, her way of pleasantness and peace. Proverbs 4.13 says, keep hold of instruction, and so this is a synonym here for wisdom, do not let go, guard her, for she is your life. I love that this word instruction is substituted because it reminds us that we all need a teacher. Our mission at Christ Church is to be and become disciples of Jesus, who make disciples of Jesus, because all of us never outgrow the need for Jesus to be our teacher. Can I get amen? Amen. I'm here teaching all of us, but I am a learner and a student. Jesus is the teacher. But we need instruction from him. We need direction from him. We need the wisdom that only he can provide because our brains are not big enough and we do not see far enough and our hearts are not pure enough. But if we trust him, he will lead us in the way we ought to go. Do you realize this is so, this is so important? And so how, how, how does one lay hold of her? How does one find her? And the answer is the fear of the Lord. And I've talked about this in the first part of the series and I'll expand on it a little bit. And I've been kind of filling it out with different jargon. But, but I encounter a lot of people who kind of have this misconception that God is hard to hear or God is hard to find or the answer is like ambiguous and out there. How many people, maybe you've even gone through a period of time where you feel like God is silent or distant or you're waiting on God and it's just nothing, 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 nothing. But I, I encounter people who kind of regularly feel this frustration of that there is just silence out there. And, I, and, and in the verses that follow, you will find the solution to that problem if you've ever experienced. Check this out. Proverbs 1.20. We're going backwards to the first of the four wisdom poems. Wisdom cries aloud in the streets. Does that sound quiet? In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. And what is she calling out? How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Sometimes the reason we don't hear the voice of God or the voice of wisdom is because we're waiting for the spirit and we're waiting for the words. But what we're actually hearing is reproof but we don't want to hear the reproof and so we hear we say God and he, he strikes our heart a little bit by his spirit and he says you know you're trying to maintain control of this whole situation and you want it to go exactly your way yeah I'm not interested in that I need wisdom I need help God I'm coming to you because I'm in this complex situation I have this great need actually uh, 
you're worrying in a way that's not in keeping with me being your father and having you covered. Yeah, no, no, I'm not listening to that. I need provision! And we hear nothing. But how, how many times is it because we're missing the voice of God, which begins with reproof, correction, adjustment, repentance. This is my story. I grew up in the church. I knew Bible verses out the ear. And I was 18 years old, and I'm, I knew so much more back then than I know now. It's really, it's really a shame I wasn't more just incredibly successful at 18 because I knew everything there was to know. And, and, and I, I remember um, I didn't, I, I, I kind of stopped going to church regularly because it was boring. And I felt like, you know, me and Jesus, we're good now at this point. And I read my Bible, and so I don't really need that. And I definitely was not going in a healthy direction. And I had a, a friend who invited me to go to this conference for college students. And I didn't want to hang out with this friend, and I did not want to go to that conference. And he said, hey, do you want to go to this conference? And I was like, sure. And I was like kind of surprised that I even said that myself. And then I paid my money to go to this conference. And then I'm on the plane flying to this conference, and I'm thinking like, well, at least I can like have this encounter where I give God a chance to point me in the right direction, you know? Like, I know that no matter what I do, I'll be phenomenal, because, you know, obviously. But I just need to know in which direction of two that I had narrowed things down to that I was supposed to go to. And so I went to this conference with this, like, arrogant attitude of going, all right, God, show me, is it my plan A or my plan B, you know? It was very humble. It's up to you, Lord, you know? And, and uh, he's, I sit down in this in this conference center, and a guy gets up to speak, and, and the topic was idolatry. And he preached for an hour plus about how our, our hearts just constantly make new gods, and we create things that are more important to us than God, that we live for, that we actually, in, in effect, worship, and that even if we have some true knowledge of God, he ends up so far down the list that he is unrecognizable as the Lord of our life. And the Holy Spirit said, that's your problem. And I went home, or back to the hotel, and I was just wrecked, because it was true, because I heard the voice of reproof. And I was faced with the real decision, which is the decision of whether to say, I'm going to be God in number one, and I'm going to decide what two through ten look like, or God's going to be God in number one, and he gets to decide what two through ten look like. And I struggled for hours. I did not sleep that night. I was up all night, and I had this little notebook, this little composition notebook, and I started writing down all the things to me that I could not live without that mattered more to me than anything else. And then I ordered them into what order they were the most important, and God was like number 11 on the list. He was my weekend gig. And I stared at that list, and it was about 7 in the morning. I went to one of those pre-conference worship prayer meetings because I hadn't been asleep, and I was still asking the Lord. And I, I got down on my knees in the small room with a small group of people, and I just said, all right, God, you get to be number one. You get to be number one. And then you get to decide what two through ten are. And he did. He took number one, and he said, here's what two through ten were. Four and seven, they got to go. Everything else, you just need to change the order. <laughs> See how this went? And it started a direction for me that has not been clear. I've not known what the future will hold, but it has positioned me to every day hear that voice and follow in that direction. And the way has been pleasantness. And the way has been peace. And I wonder how many of us aren't hearing the voice of God because we've turned down the sound of reproof when he's actually after your heart. See, this is what he wants. His promise has always been, you will find me when you seek me with your whole 
heart. This is the fear of the Lord, brothers and sisters. This is how you lay hold of wisdom. When you awaken every day to say, you are God and I am not. And there is nothing more freeing than waking up not being the Lord of the universe. Let me tell you, it's very stressful to try to be in charge of everything and everyone, especially when no one will listen to anything you say. <laughs> Eat your vegetables. Stay close to dad in the parking lot. Why doesn't everyone not bend at my will? So here we are. And God's just calling us like children. We don't need to know. And we face this with our kids. You face this. All of us. We, we say, hey, I, hey, kids, do this. And we tell them, sometimes, I just need you to do whatever I say. We plead with our children. I need you to do whatever I say. Here's why. Because there could be danger that you don't see and that I see and that I, you just need to oh, trust me and do the things that I say. And if you would just do that, everything would be fine. You guys ever have this conversation with your kids? It doesn't work at all, does it? What you get is, why? Why? Explain it to me first. Then I might do it. And we never grow out of that with God. Do you realize that? This is what I want you to do. That sounds hard and not fun. Why, why, why would I do that when I could do that? Everyone else is doing that. But this is where the fear of the Lord comes in. And we say, all right, God, you are God and I am not. You're number one. You order two through ten. I doubt we have time to get to 11. But I'm going to follow you. And this is where the loudest voice starts. And when we turn at her reproof, we get this promise. I will pour out my spirit to you and I will make my words known to you. This is who Jesus was and what Jesus came to be, John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John adds commentary. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. This phrase, I will pour out my spirit, ought to sound familiar to some of you Bible scholars. You guys heard this one before? Because here we are living in the age of the poured out spirit. Our counterparts in the ancient Near East, the Israelites, they experienced the spirit of God in fits and starts. Some of their leaders experienced some of the spirit, some of the time, for some reasons, but not all reasons. But when Jesus came, he purified a people for himself by his own blood so that we could become recipients of a full spirit given without measure. And this is what all the prophets forecast. Joel famously said, in those days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, right? Young and old, rich and poor. Everybody gets the spirit. This is the age in which we live. But how many of us have stopped the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we've said no to the voice of wisdom? And we're not turning at the reproof to make God number one. This is where it begins. Less familiar but equally as important, Isaiah 44, 3 and 5. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, the Lord's. And name himself by the name of Israel. You see, Jesus fulfilled this by becoming obedient to death on the cross, becoming the Lamb of God, the purification for all people, and then he further fulfilled this by sending the Holy Spirit, John 14, 15, and 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. Check this out. But he will be in you. How close is wisdom? 
Oh, he's present inside your heart right this moment if you put your faith in Jesus. These things I have spoken to you while I'm with you, Jesus said in verse 25. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said before you. And so Solomon sets before us two paths and two voices. Two paths and two voices. The path of wisdom, which leads to life and liberty, peace and prosperity, or the path of the simple, the path of foolishness that leads to death and captivity and poverty and strife. And we are asked to decide who we will listen to. I don't have time this morning, but read Proverbs 9. You get not only the voice of Lady Wisdom, but also the voice of Lady Folly, who is loud and seductive and knows nothing, the scripture says. So basically TV, that's what it is. That's what you're listening to. The question is, what will you listen to? Because you will find voices that tell you what your appetites crave, what your uncertainties hope for. You will find voices that will tell you, you are enough. You are the maker of your own destiny. It's inside of you is where you will find the strength and the resolve. They aren't worthy of you, and so leave them behind. Head off in a path that will ultimately make you the best you that you deserve to be. You see the common thread here? But the one who listens to Lady Folly does not know, verse 18 of Proverbs 9, that her home, the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. And so who will you listen to? Who will you listen to? You will listen differently depending on whether you have the fear of the Lord or not. Do you know this? You will listen differently depending on whether you take your cues from God or not. And I can prove this to you. Here's a, here's a proverb you should memorize. Proverbs 18, 17. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. You should memorize that one. This is the reason political smear campaigns work. Because I don't have to tell you anything about the candidate I want you to vote for if I can get you to believe evil about the one I don't want you to vote for. Because we are so prone in our simpleness to believe whatever it is that we're told, whatever, whatever reflects things we already feel or fear. And so this is, this is true. This is the reason gossip is so dangerous in relationships. This is the reason slander destroys organizations and churches. Why? Because we are so quick to believe the first thing we hear without ever even assessing the other side of the story. And there's always three sides. What he said, what she said, and what really happened. Do you know that? And so we withhold judgment. Because we know this. My, my buddy Bill, he's in the front row. In fact, we were talking about voting. We were talking about voting this past week. And I, said, I was asking who we voted for on this one person. And he said, um, here's who I voted for. And I voted for her because I got so many smear ads in the mail that I knew that people with lots of money didn't want her to be in charge. And so that's who I voted for. <laughs> See, he turned this right on his head. He's like, I don't even need to know what she stands for. The right people hate her, and so I love her. That's how this works. Luke 7, 33. Jesus says, John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you said he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her children. The proof is in the pudding, to say it colloquially. And if you put your trust in God, and if you walk in the fear of the Lord, you will find wisdom. And so I have one question for you as we close. Do you 
want to stay little and eat M&Ms? Or do you want to grow up into the person that God has called you to be? Then make him number one. Let him reorder your priorities. And he will lead you in the paths of righteousness. Amen. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that there's such good news. God, of life and liberty, peace and prosperity in front of all of us who would turn to you as father, turn to you as God turn to you as Savior and bow our knee and walk in the fear of the Lord. God, I thank you that every day there is wisdom to be received from your hand. God, there is the voice of God to be heard for all of life's challenges, and you never leave us or forsake us. God, we, we need you, and we need to know you this way. And so I pray, God, for every person that we would indeed hear and turn at your reproof and that you would dispense your spirit into our lives and lead us in the way of wisdom. Give us the words we need to hear. God, I pray we would tune out all of the seductive nonsense empty speech that is being just catapulted in our direction, that we would turn our voice to hear Lady Wisdom. And God, we thank you that you have, you have done more for us than personify your wisdom as a woman. God, you have sent your son, and you have poured out your spirit. And so we have every reason to believe that you will lead us in paths of righteousness. And so we give you our hearts. We invite you in. We thank you for all that you will do. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen.